so this morning we're going to look at um, the whole first chapter of 2 Timothy and the first couple verses of of the second chapter of 2 Timothy. And uh, we're going to start by seeing what Paul's kind of urgent last plea was, what was on his heart. And then we'll spend the rest of the time looking at three uh, ways that a passion for the gospel can be rekindled. What does that look like to be to rekindle a passion for the gospel? So 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, starts off like this. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of life that is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my beloved child. Notice the the dearness that comes out in there. Grace, mercy, and peace from from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. See if you can notice a theme in these next several verses. I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure it dwells in you as well. Do you notice a theme there? What, what do you notice? Remembrance. Yeah, in, the, in this beginning of this letter, Paul keeps looking back and thinking about, about Timothy and, and remembering, remembering, looking, looking back, getting nostalgic toward the end. But, it, but he's urgent in his desire. And what is it? Verse 6, he says, For this reason I remind, again, remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Fan into flames, or the, the New King James to stir up, or the New American Standard to kindle anew. It's a word that means to you know, take you know, a dying fire and breathe life into it. You know, fan it and cultivate it so it, it flares up once again. I, I imagine Paul had this sense of, I don't know if fear is the word, but, a, but of urgency. Because would... With this great, uh, this great vision of the gospel to the world, is it going to die with Paul? He has this passion to take the good news about Jesus to the ends of the earth. And he's on a serious mission to do that, but now he's in a prison cell facing execution. And he wonders, will this go on? Will this be carried on? Will, will it take place? Can we do it? And here's his encouragement to younger Timothy. He says, for God gave us, not, gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-control. So, personally, we might, we might have these fears that creep in and think, well, I know that I had this you know, passion for Christ back in the day, and I just fear that I'm never going to get there again. I fear those, those days are gone. Um, just kind of settle that it is what it is. Or maybe we fear for that person we love that, you know, they'll, they'll never uh, be rekindled, so to speak, in their, in their faith for the Lord. And that can be overwhelming. It's like, I, I can't see beyond that. Well, God doesn't just say, you know, start a fire without giving you the fuel for it. He gives you the spirit of power, of love, and of self 
control. We say, I, I don't have the ability to, you know, muster up that excitement for the Lord any, anymore. Um, well, that word power is ability or capability. God gives it to you. Here's a huge pile of God's ability for you. Well, my heart's grown numb. You know, I, I just, I'm not stirred, you know, anymore for spiritual things. Well, he also gives you the love. A big old pile of, you know, wood of love. And uh, maybe we're thinking, well, I just don't know how to get there from here. You know, how do I, how do I get back to that kind of love? How do I help my, my friend get there? How do I help my, my spouse or my kids get there? Well, he provides the wisdom. That word for self-control literally means to, uh, the ability to make wise decisions or to use good judgment. So he's provided everything you need to get from here to there. So what does it mean to, to rekindle? Um, we, we live in a time period where when we want a fire, we just click, turn it on, right? If we want heat, we just push a button or it's automatically set or, or, uh, or we have, you know, a lighter. I brought one today. Ooh. And uh, it's easy. But, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about these smoldering embers and you're fanning them into flame once again. You, you uh, put a little tinder on it. You, you blow on it. You put some little bigger sticks on it, some kindling, and you blow on it some more, and small sticks, and then you put the logs on. And if you've ever built a fire that way, or when I was a kid, uh, okay, or as an adult, if you're uh, camping and, and there's a fire the night before and you get up in the morning and there's still like a little something glowing under there and you just try to coax it back to life, even if you have, you know, a shortcut way, it's just fun to do that. That's what we're talking about, this rekindling, reigniting. When someone's struggling in their faith, sometimes we say, oh, I wish that they were at this place. And we take a big old log and we throw it on their smudge. <laughs> and and it's, it, it wipes them out. They can't take that. We don't want to overwhelm others. and We don't want to be overwhelmed ourselves. But we want to take that next step, that fanning into flame. We're going to talk about three things this morning of what it looks like to rekindle and what are the results of being rekindled. And they're going to look like and feel like big logs. But the idea is to take baby steps in that direction. These three things are both the way to rekindle and they are the result of rekindling. Here is just what I'd like to ask uh, to invite you to do this morning. Uh, in front of you in most of the the seats, there's the little connect card. And I want you to prayerfully think throughout the service, what little step of rekindling might the Lord have me do today? As we talk through these three kind of areas, maybe some specific little thing will come to mind. And uh, I just want to invite you to jot that on that card. And after the service, just drop it in that box that's just straight back here. And, uh, And I'll just pray for you this week as you take those steps of rekindling. So just an invitation to use that card in that way. I'll grab all those after the service, and I'll be praying for, for you this week. And uh, I'll, I'll mention that again at the end of the service. So I know you're antsy to get to the three things. How do we rekindle? What does it look like to rekindle? First of all, 
A rekindled life passionately stands for the gospel. Picking up again in verse 8, it says this. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me as prisoner, but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. See, two commands there is don't be ashamed of the gospel and do endure, be willing to endure suffering for the gospel. It's a, it's a standing up and passionately uh, identifying with Christ, saying, yeah, I'm, I'm part of that. Yes, I believe that and standing firm. Uh, passion grows cold. Our fire dies little by little when we shy away from identifying with Jesus. We have a chance in some social setting to say, yeah, I'm, I'm, with, I'm with Jesus. <laughs> you know, I, I believe in him. And we decide just to, you know, mm, that's awkward. I'm going to keep my lips shut. And a little of that fire just dies, little by little. The easy road, it really is to distance ourselves from the gospel. That, that's an easy road. That's the path of least resistance. That's why Paul gives us several really, really good reasons of why the hard road is worth it. And uh, we'll just kind of skim through these to get a, an idea of, yes, it's so, so worth it to take the hard road of standing and identifying uh, at the end of verse 8, first of all, God empowers. He says, by the power of God. Uh, again, he's fully equipped you for the hard road, so we can't say, like, ah, I just really can't, can't do it. It's too hard. Pressure's too much. The, the social capital is too overbearing or, or whatever. He's given us the power. Uh, verse 9, who saved us. God has rescued us from the domain of darkness. How shameful for us to, in some setting, to pretend we don't know and love him when he has given his life for us. Okay, that's a, that's a really good reason. Uh, third reason, he's called us for this purpose, verse 9, and he called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began. This, from the beginning of time, this is what you were made for, is to, to be identified and be united with Jesus Christ. Don't slide through the easy way. Number four, God revealed the end of death and the beginning of real life in Christ. Okay, verse 10 says this. Uh, I know I'm kind of flying through these. I hope you're tracking. Verse 10, and which now has been manifested, or, you know, brought to life, it's been seen or revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Think about this in the most um, kind of extreme terms. What, what if what we're talking about is actual martyrdom? What if, what if you were placed in a situation that, that pushes it to that kind of extreme where it's um, deny Christ or, or forfeit your life. Well, this is happening, we know, in places in the world. And this verse tells us that even if it came to that, Christ has showed us that there's life after death. That real life is not affected by 
the death of the body. And so that's a really good reason to take the hard road, even if the hard road takes us down the ultimate path that's, that's martyrdom. But honestly, most of us will never have to make that decision. But people are in the world making that decision every day. So the fifth reason is others have endured much more than most of us will ever be asked. Verses 11 and 12 says, For which I, this is Paul speaking, was appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. It says, Timothy, stand for the gospel. Don't be ashamed. And, and by the way, remember, I'm writing this with my legs chained to, uh, to the wall of a Roman prison cell. Uh, I'm enduring a lot, so... Uh, Timothy, don't, don't be ashamed of the good news about Jesus. Uh, Tom mentioned this morning about the, the voice of the martyrs. You can go to persecution.com and get a wealth of information about our brothers and sisters, followers of Jesus around the world who are being put to the ultimate test for their faith and how we can stand in solidarity with them, how we could pray for them, and some tangible things like writing, writing letters for them. Um, these are ways we can get our minds around that it is so worth it to take the hard road of standing and identifying. So again, each time you, you stand up and say, yeah, I'm, I'm with Jesus. Uh, yes, I believe this. Uh, even if it's awkward, you, you put that badge on that says, yeah, I, I belong to Christ. I'm a passionate follower of him. Each time you make those little steps, you're putting some kindling on the fire in your, in your heart for the Lord. That, that passion starts to blaze and burn. Each time you shy away from that, that fire dies a little. What what's this look like just day to day? Some of the deacons were talking as we, um, we were praying on Thursday morning and... Um, well, I don't want to embarrass Phil, but um, Phil, uh, some of the others were talking about being at the gym, and he made some comment about, well, we were just talking about the Gospel of John, you know, right there in the middle of the gym. And, uh, and it just struck him, like, oh, this is kind of outrageous, and yet it feels totally natural just to do that. Uh, that's the kind of thing. You're just bringing uh, your relationship with Christ out into the open. When asked about your religion, you could say, um, well, I believe in God, which, you know, almost everybody in our country does. Or you can push that further and say, well, I am a passionate follower of Jesus. And uh, when you push, 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 you're putting kindling on that fire, and it's welling up in your heart, and it's burning in a vibrant faith. So you want that vibrant inferno take steps to stand and identify with the gospel. Okay, I'm using that word gospel a lot in this message, and, and Paul uses it in this, in this book a lot. Um, so I thought we should pause for just a moment and define that. And probably one of the most succinct uh, descriptions of the gospel, uh, Paul gives in 1 Corinthians 15. It says this in the first few verses of the chapter. Now, I would remind you, Paul loves to remind us of things, <laughs> brothers, of the gospel 
the good news I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. So this is the message that saves people. For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received. And here's what he's passing on. First, Christ died for our sins. According with the scriptures that he was buried. Second, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So the gospel is this. Long ago, it was promised that there would be a savior. And that savior is is the divine son of God, and he died for our sins. He gave his life uh, so that our sins could be forgiven. And and as evidence that he was dead, uh, it says he was buried. You know, you don't bury people alive, except in horror movies. Um, so it's like the, the seal that he was really dead is that he was buried. And then the second thing, he was raised to life. He, he conquered death and offers us that kind of life. And the evidence of that, it goes on in the verse to follow, it says, you know, he was seen by all these people afterwards. That is the gospel. Christ came, gave his life for our sins, and rose from the dead and offers us life as well. And so this is the core message that Paul keeps going back to again and again. Okay, second reason or second way we rekindle a a passion for the gospel is when we guard the gospel. A rekindled life passionately guards this good news. I don't know if I really stated it, is that gospel just actually literally means good news. It's, it's like a, a herald would come with, you know, we won the battle and we're telling everybody. It's like they gave a, a gospel. It's good news. Sometimes we make a word kind of too mysterious when we make up a word. Okay, now we're in verses 13 to 14 of the first chapter still. And it says this, follow the pattern or example, the prototype of the sound words that you heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard this good deposit entrusted to you. So he kind of says the same thing twice. Uh, Follow this pattern, guard the good deposit. Um, Paul has this precious thing called the gospel that he's passing on, and he says, Timothy, do do it just like that. I want you to receive this, live it out just as you received it. I want you to hold that close to your heart. I don't want you to mess it up. I just want you to, to guard it wholeheartedly embrace the whole message about Jesus that's passed down in Scripture. It's, it's not just some intellectual assent, like, okay, yeah, I, yes, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this, I believe that, okay, I'm, I'm good. Um, no, he says, in faith and in love, you know, it's a fully internalized guarding. It's believed, it's felt, it's by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. It's, uh, it's living with this knowledge that God is in you. So it's much more than just an ascent to a creed. It's a, a full embracing of the good news about Jesus. When we don't guard that truth, we don't guard the gospel in our hearts, then the fire dies out. The joy, the intimacy, the peace are destroyed. And this is what has really been happening since the beginning. Four words that destroyed 
the whole world. The devil said to the woman, this is uh, Genesis chapter 3, the villain enters. The devil said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Those four little words, did God actually say, is what destroyed the whole world. And it's what destroys the fire in our own hearts. It's what makes a smudge out of an inferno. Is we start to question, I don't know, did God actually say that? We think about the... um, the gospel, you know, is Jesus really the only way people are saved? Because culturally, you know, that people don't want to accept that. You know, we, we live in a climate where there's lots of, you know, ideas and thoughts. And to say that Jesus is the only way people are saved, I, I don't know. Or Jesus was a great teacher, but was he, was he really God? Did he really rise from the dead? You know, that's, we start to say, did God really say are people naturally sinful and, and need a savior, or are they naturally good and they just need kind of some encouragement? Again, it's, you know, did God really say? And we start to fudge on these things in little ways, maybe in conversations, and we start to, to believe that in our own hearts, and the fire starts to die. <laughs> when we believe those things, it's like rain on a campfire. We let those little thoughts, did God really say? And it's, that fire in our hearts just just disappears. It's all soggy. (laughs) It feels like it can't be ignited when we've been beat down in our own hearts by those four little words. Did God actually say? So, it's standing for the gospel. It's guarding the gospel. But, This is much, much bigger than just us. And that's why this third thing is so important. How do I rekindle this passion for the gospel? A rekindled life passionately entrusts the gospel to others. This shouldn't end with you. It didn't end with Paul. We're just going to look at the first two verses of uh, chapter 2. It says this, You then, my child... Be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. This is kind of the theme of these whole two books. It's Paul passing on what he knows to younger Timothy. Here's here's how to to lead in the church. Here's how to persevere and carry on in the church. Here's how to live the Christian life. Paul's taking his embracing the gospel And in these two books, he's making sure Timothy gets it, you know, kind of before it's too late. Paul was really, really passionate about the good news about Jesus, more than he was passionate about his own life. Acts 20, 24, Paul says this. But I do not account my life of any value. You know, my life is is nothing, nor is it precious to myself, compared with this. If only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, and that ministry was this, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. So this attitude till the end of uh, the gospel of God's grace is more important than life to Paul. And that's, uh, he, 
he stuck with that story to, to the end. Who will you entrust with the gospel? Who will I entrust with the gospel? How, do we, how are we going to pass that on? The song from my childhood of, you know, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No. Uh, we kind of shout that out. It's like this, this little light you have. Don't let it die with you. Don't let it go out. It's like the, uh, the Olympic torch. You know, somebody's carrying it, and they pass it on and light the next one, and it goes on and on and on. Uh, years ago, I was at a uh, Christmas Eve candlelight service um, at a church called Gateway down in Escondido. And uh, at the end of the service, well, they had given everybody a candle coming into the service, you know, an, an unlit candle. And at the end, they turned all the lights off, and there was one little candle up front. And uh, with that little candle, they came and they lit a few people's candles. And those people walked down the, the aisles of the church and up into the balcony, and they lit the candles on the ends. And then everybody kind of passed the flame down. And, uh, you know, as we're singing Silent Night, <laughs> it's, it, it was a, a moving time. And so the, the room went from this little glow to... Uh, to really just totally illuminated with a room full of, of candlelights. That's, that's the picture. That's what God's doing in the world. He started in, you know, in Jerusalem on the other side of the world, and uh, a candle was lit, and it was passed on to the twelve, and the twelve passed it on, and they passed it on, and on and on it goes. Uh, to, from Jerusalem to Samaria to Judea to the utter most parts of the earth. You know, from, from that Middle East area, Palestine area, it went out into Europe. And we know from history, pretty soon Christianity swept through uh, Europe. And uh, then it, it launched over to, uh, to North America. And Christianity swept across North America. And, and in time, you see it kind of pulling out of, of Europe. And then we're seeing Christianity now sweeping across uh, South America and parts of Africa, and uh, it, it's not dying, it's growing. And in some ways, it's headed back to the east and making, making full circle. The gospel is not dying. Uh, candles are being held out and lit and passed on, and it's pretty exciting what God is doing in the world. But we each have the choice in our own lives, uh, are we going to pass it on or are we not going to pass it on. All kinds of ways we could do this. Some real little, some real big, some close to home, some far. Um, I thought starting in our own family, how do you, how do you pass on a love for the, the gospel in your own home? Well, you, know, you could talk about Jesus around the table. You can make sure you teach your kids things. You can, there's lots of things you could do. Here's one thing my dad did. On his 70th birthday, he had well, like a dozen, he has a dozen grandkids or something. I, I don't know. Sixteen? A plethora of children. Um, he wrote this book called uh, Where Did Grandpa Dennis Come From and Where Is He Going? And uh, it has some curious things about his history and his genealogy. Um, his, his grandparents uh, died um, when, I'm not even sure he got to know his grandparents, and so he wanted to, not have that happen with his grandkids, but to take the opportunity to kind of let his grandkids know about his history some. But 
where is he going? He finishes the book um, in typical fashion of my father of uh, three answers to the question of where is grandpa going? And uh, one is each of my grandchildren have about 25% of my genes. So I figure that after I'm gone, there will be about four of me left hanging around in them. So that's where, you know, that's where grandpa's going. He'll still be here in various forms. But number two, he says, because when I was seven years old, I asked Jesus into my heart, I will live in heaven for eternity with most of the people in this book. Make sure you're there. <laughs> he also gave the longitude and latitude of where he wants his ashes buried. So that's, you know, but, but the point that, that I make with this is that, you know, an intentional effort to, to pass on the faith to our children and to our, to our grandchildren. Okay, in our own families. We could do this in our church. You know, find, find somebody that's you know, maybe struggling or maybe, maybe this season of life feels like a smudge and just be an encouragement to them. Come alongside them. Build, build them up. Invite them into your life and, and vice versa. In your community, get to know your neighbors. You can't, uh, you know, you can't, fire doesn't jump that far. I know in my story here it jumped, you know, a few feet with lots of fuel and stuff, but you got to be close to somebody to pass the candle to the next. Now, think on the real big scale of the world. There's places in the world who have no, uh, no knowledge of the gospel. In a few weeks, we're having uh, Josh and Bethany Weeks come, and they are... Um, they feel called by God to go to, I believe it's Papua New Guinea, to, uh, to tribal areas where there's, there's, no, uh, there's no Bible in that language, there's no gospel witness whatsoever. So there's no candle there. And they're going to bring the candle there. Be involved in missions and in missionaries. It invigorates your own faith when you pass it on. And I don't know if you've noticed this with fires, is that you know, when you have this little fire and this little fire and you bring all those pieces together, you have bigger fire and it feeds off of each other. It creates its own wind, so to speak. When we're passing on a passion for the gospel, then that inferno is welling up in us as well. So what will you do to rekindle? Fires die out when we don't tend them. Uh, that just happens. You, know, you have a fire in the fireplace. You kind of forget about it. You come back later, and you're like, huh, it, it's out, or it's a smudge. What will you do this week to put a little piece of kindling on, on your passion for Christ and the gospel? Uh, again, think of these areas. Standing for the gospel, you know, identifying with Jesus, saying, yes, I'm with him. Yes, I believe this, you know. There's maybe some little step in your, in your world or way you could do that. Or, or maybe it's guarding the gospel in your own heart of, uh, of maybe some of those little questions of, did God really say that are slipping into your mind? What, what will you do to replace those with the truth of God's word? Or maybe the big uh, message really for a lot of us is, who are we going to pass this on to? <laughs> Who will we entrust with this most precious thing in the world, the, gospel, the good news about Jesus, the gospel? Uh, how will we pass that on to our families, to our friends, to the world? Little steps. So I just want to encourage you, anybody, oops, I think I went too far. They'll fix it back there. Um, 
I want to encourage you to, uh, if you'd like, to write that on a, a Connect card. And uh, you could either put your name on it or not. Um, I'll pray for you anonymously if it has no name. The Lord knows. But I could pray for you more specifically if you did put a name on it. Because um, I think it helps us just to take baby steps. <laughs> we breathe a little bit. Maybe that's a prayer. We put a little tinder on. We breathe and fan it. Put some little sticks on. And pretty soon it wells up in our hearts. Years ago, Keith Green wrote a song, another song about fire. I think it's a beautiful prayer. Uh, I think the second verse of it says this, O Lord, please light the fire that once burned bright and clean and replace that lamp of my first love that burns with holy fear. You know, it's a, an invitation. God, rekindle, rekindle that passion for the gospel in my heart. Maybe it's gone cold, but I know you can bring it back. And so let that be our, our prayer this morning. Uh, Lord God, that, that's my desire. And I pray that for our whole church family here, that, that we look to you to, to fan into flames a passion for the gospel, that we would be so quick to identify with you and say, yeah, I'm, I, I'm with Jesus. I, I believe and I follow this, and I'm, I'm not embarrassed about that. And guard our hearts and our minds from entertaining those thoughts of, did God really say? And Lord, move us to, to entrust this precious message um, to others, to, to pass it on, to share it near and to share it far, and to do it for, for your sake. And it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen.